Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good day and welcome to the call. 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Wednesday, May the 3rd. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great to have you with us. Our experts today, Andrew Violent from DP Wealth Advisory and Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Guys, welcome to both of you. Um, now, of course, big news um, is everyone's still talking about that uh, that surprise rate hike by the, the RBA. Uh, hands up, who... Uh, who guessed that was going to happen? No, nothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, along with the rest of the market. So, Henry, um, yeah. when you take that into effect, um, what, how's this going to influence your, uh, your stock picking going forward, given what we're likely to see happen to the economy, do you think? Um, well, uh, thanks, Andrew. Uh, thanks to Andrews. I, I guess, uh, you know, 25 basis points after the, what we've had, 10 rises is neither here nor there. I suspect the worrying thing also from the uh, RBA chief, Phil Lowe, was the fact that he said that it may take more rate rises. So that's obviously not good. But this market is down today and it was down yesterday, not just on that. I mean, there is the sell in May and go away. And I have been saying that I thought May would get trickier after a pretty good April. And so far, we're only on the third, of course, but it has got a little trickier. Uh, but the other big issue that's flowing around at the moment, of course, is US regional banks and the easy hunting ground that is for hedge funds to short them. And, uh, you know, once one starts to topple over, uh, there is certainly the propensity to target the next one. So First Republic, biggie. But uh, as far as the RBA goes, it, uh, it was a very hawkish move. It obviously is going to impact our market to some extent. Uh, and it did yesterday and it has today, but some of that is the US weakness in those regional banks. So um, we are poised, I think, to slip a little bit further down. Confession season is upon us due to the Macquarie Equities uh, conference that's on at the moment. That's certainly bringing some confessions out. But um, generally, I think we're in for a bit of a drift lower and a little bit of a reset on people's expectations about what the RBA will or will not be doing with interest rates. Mm. Yeah, Andrew, just adds to all those risks that investors have to consider at the moment. Have you, you changing your outlook at all, adjusting your portfolio as a result? Well, are you asking Andrew the stock picker or Andrew the the ETF whisperer, if I can be so bold? Uh, the whisperer just keeps whispering away. Uh, dollar cost averaging, markets do what markets do. But if I was to wear the stock picker's hat, which doesn't fit as well as it used to, but I think Henry's spot on. Um, May, you know, the old sell in May and go away adage is alive and well. It's a tricky time at the moment. I mean, the other thing that Henry um, probably meant to mention was around tax loss selling. Um, certainly May, June generally tends to be a tricky time of year around that as well. So there's a whole re lot of reasons to be very cautious with markets at the moment. But we also know that there's an 86% chance that every time we try and pick markets, we're going to be wrong over a 15-year outlook. So Andrew, the ETF guy, simply says, 
put a little bit in every month, pick the highs and the lows, you'll get a more consistent price. Andrew, the boring wins out. All right. Well, we'll take a look at what's going on in the economy at the moment. We just had the latest retail sales. Um, Look, we are seeing uh, perhaps a little weakness emerging there in consumption. Uh, Look, no surprise with another rate hike too, you would expect that uh, households, they're really going to start to feel the pain and that's going to impact um, spending across the board. So um, just before we uh, get to our our stock of the day. I'll just uh, run through what the, f- the first five stocks we're going to do to in the first half. AIC Mines, Sequoia Financial, CTI Logistics, Strike Energy and Costa Group. So just picking up on my point there, Andrew, on retail sales, our stock of the day is JB Hi-Fi. In fact, it's uh, come up with an update there. Uh, it's saying sales growth has started to moderate uh, from the first half. Uh, saying it saw a 0.8% growth in its Australian division in the third quarter. Sales in its New Zealand division up almost 11%, while its subsidiary, The Good Guys, reporting negative growth in sales 3.8% lower. Um, so interested to get your perspective on JB Hi-Fi and perhaps more broadly that the, the retailers at the moment. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky time. Uh, a good friend of mine just posted on Facebook that his uh, SMH subscription had gone up uh, to what, Henry? Uh, Twenty bucks a month. And how much has your Prime gone up? Uh, that's gone up forty two percent from seven dollars to ten bucks. So, and they're just two little data points, but pretty significant data points as well. So the consumer is well and truly under pressure, never mind, as we've just heard, 11 or 12 uh, interest rate rises. I mean, we cast our mind back 12 months ago, the cash rate was 0.1%. Here we are today at 3.85, which doesn't sound like a lot relative to where it was in the past. But if you consider the debt burden that's out there, it is significantly higher. And as a consequence, you can see, therefore, that people are pulling their heads in. They are looking for the value uh, buys. And that's really what JB Hi-Fi is saying, that, you know, their value offerings is sort of holding them up pretty well. Um, but ultimately, from a, a retail, has always been a tricky game. It's just getting harder and harder. And consumers are already getting bashed. I mean, what's the average New South Wales mortgage? About $800,000. So every 1% rise in New South Wales mortgages sees an extra $8,000 a year in after-tax income that has to be go, paid against their mortgage and it's not being used to be uh, JB Hi-Fi or LaVisa or whatever the case may be. So I, I just think being cautious on the consumer, but it will get to a point where it's overdone and I don't think we're there yet. And, you know, we saw Brett Blundy come out yesterday making an offer for best and less. There is absolutely uh, value out there and the switched on guys and girls in retail can see it. But for us mere mortals in retail land, uh, I would be quite cautious with consumer discretionary. I'd be probably continuing to focus on consumer staples. Um, JB Hi-Fi, briefly, the result was okay. I note the shorting positions have started to increase again. They were one of the most heavily shorted companies back in 2019. That backed off right into sort of the beginning of this year, but I note the shorting positions are starting to rise there. So it's probably a hold, but it is a very well-run business. Yep, okay. Henry? Uh, yes, I think I'd have to agree with my friend Andrew. Um, certainly, you know, JB Hi-Fi, if you're going to be in uh, retail or discretionary spending, these guys 
are the good guys in the space and they really do know how to run it and they have done a pretty good job i have to say but obviously they're heading into some headwinds at the moment uh, same source same store sales easy for me to say uh, jb hi-fi slipped uh, 0.1 percent in march quarter and sales of the good guys uh, in Australia fell by 3.8%. So that is clearly a sign that things are slowing down. You've only got to look at the retail uh, numbers as well today to see that the, the big rise, I guess, if there is a rise in retail spending, has been in cafes, restaurants, and takeaway food services. Uh, food retailing is the only thing that seems to be going upwards, uh, clothing, footwear down. So it's it. It's not easy being a retailer. We're heading into those headwinds. Solid business, definitely a hold. 8% of this thing is actually shorted, so you have to be a little bit careful there. Surprised, to be honest, that we didn't see a bit of a knee-jerk reaction higher from some of those shorts covering on the back of those results, which weren't terrible. They were very solid. I think solid is going to be one of the watchwords of of confession and uh, bank reporting season. But, uh, yeah, for me, it is a hold. But retail is going to be uh, tough, I think, going forward in the next six months. Yeah, in fact, we heard from Philip Lowe last night just an explanation as to why they lifted um, rates there. And he certainly pointed to the services sector, hospitality as an example of where they're seeing that inflation inflation continuing. <laughs> so he wants to kill all the sectors, yeah. doesn't he? He's not, just, well, he's not just content with slowing down some. He's really interested in killing all the sectors. Yet at the same time, we've got a government next week with a budget that is going to help us with the cost of living pressures. Yeah, well, it I mean, just, just made their job harder, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, it just made everybody's job harder. Yeah, Can well, that's true. Organise it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one is AIC Mines. Callum wanting to hear from the small cap miner whisperer. That would be Henry Jennings and his thoughts on AIC. Uh, look, it is uh, looking to expand its uh, processing plant uh, to process uh, copper, gold, development of the mine that has expected to begin uh, the beginning of next year, first ore access by early 2025. Recently did a cap raise. All right, Henry, what's your take? I don't quite know when I became the small cap mining whisperer. Um, certainly that uh, is, a, is a hat that I'm not sure I, I should be wearing. However, this one, they've got a, uh, a copper project, copper gold project up in North Queensland. Uh, the stock code is A1M for those playing at home. We've just had the quarterly report as well out of that one. They've got a project called Eloise. And uh, they had a little bit of a disappointment in terms of the quarterly activities, but there does remain some good upside potential for exploration. Uh, It's not a bad project. Um, It's not a huge company, to be honest. And up till uh, when I was asked to have a look at this one, I hadn't really come across it, to be honest. $191 million uh, worth in market cap. Um, Nothing particularly wonderful about it nothing particularly bad about it either i think at these levels you know 39 cents is probably a hold if we had a spurt up in the copper price uh, or some good news on the drilling which is always what is going to drive these sorts of things um the mill shutdown uh, obviously didn't help lost production of 10 days here um so they have revised guidance lower and you know that's obviously one of the things that's affecting a lot of mines at the moment is this bad weather and the shutdowns that it's caused. A, you know, you've got 29 metals in the same boat. A lot of the uh, gold stocks as well have had production affected by uh, bad weather. So um, for me, this is a hold at best, driven by exploration and that um, 
uh, yes, and the copper price. Nothing yep. exciting. Yeah, copper price uh, tumbling again. Andrew? Well, who, who am I to uh, basically sort of try and pass judgment on the copper price when we have uh, Henry here, uh, even though he's being very modest about it? Um, look, I I was pretty underwhelmed when I looked at this one. Another one that I hadn't really looked at before. Again, as we said previously, one of the things I really like doing about the call, you get to find these smaller companies. 180-odd um, million market cap, and to Henry's point, about 130,000 a day traded. So, which, you know, nobody would complain about having $130,000 in their back pocket, but in the context of a $183 million company, it's not exactly a huge amount of turnover as such. So, reasonably hard to get set in this one. Uh, I guess I look at its performance over the last 12 months, it's down over 35%. So, you know, the market certainly trying to tell us something in that regard. And of course, the other thing is they recently had a cap raising and brought in about 37 million by, well, holding 37 million after doing a cap raising of 30 million. You do tend to find companies underperform after doing cap raisings. So on balance, it is a hold at best. All right, that is a double hold. Um, yeah, I guess you've um, stated they're underwhelming, uh, both obviously fairly underwhelmed by AIC Mines. All right, let's move to Sequoia Financial. This one picked by Ben. It is um, a financial services group. Uh, recently announced that they're actually offloading 80% um, of their interest in Morrison Securities to New Quantum. I think that amounts to about $40 million, although I think there might be a question mark over that deal at this point. Andrew, uh, what's your view on Sequoia? So again, we were talking about sort of that ratio of market capitalization to turnover. So another smaller company, 77 million, $34,000 a day traded. So that is incredibly slow levels of volume. So in other words, not a huge amount of sort of uh, institutional or in fact, dare I say, retail support on this one. Um, they sort of are aspirational. They're claiming they've got around 2% of the market for advisors. Uh, they're trying to get it to around 4%. So in other words, there's about 300-odd advisors that they provide support to, looking at getting up to around that 700 mark. Uh, you're being, uh, and that's that's going to be quite challenging, I would think, because again, trying to find financial advisors is that in this environment post Royal Commission is challenging at best. You're being asked to pay 19 times earnings, which is pretty pretty out there. I would have thought it's certainly well above that market average. And I also note that they've been on market buying back their own shares, and yet if you look at that price chart over uh, the last 12 months. It's helped it to a degree. I mean, where they bottom out at 45 and they're back to 57, but they're certainly nowhere near that price of 75 where they were previously. Uh, look, financial services is just a tough old game at the moment, and uh, I can think of lots of reasons not to be there. So it's a hold. Right. What, so you're not interested in any financial services, given just how difficult it is out there at the moment? Oh, there's particular, uh, there's particular ones I'm very keen in. Yeah, such as? <laughs> but, uh, but otherwise, uh, <laughs> from a listed uh, perspective, yeah. uh, I'm interested. Not. Oh, come on, I gave you the chance. You missed it. All yeah. right. I'm, I'm Henry, okay, your view. 
well, first of all, I have to disclose that uh, many, many, many moons ago in a previous life, I did kind of work for these guys uh, uh, to some extent. Uh, it sort of morphed into Sequoia over the years. The volume is pathetic. Uh, so there's, a, there's a, a big cross there from a start. They've got a very low market share. And they have been around for an awful long time. The Morrison's deal obviously is a good one because they are going to get around 40 million bucks, uh, which will certainly improve their balance sheet. But of course, that is not going to go back to shareholders. That is going to go into trying to get the market share up. And as Andrew says, you know, they have got, I think they've got license, they're the licensee for 367 uh, financial advice registration advisors out of 15,872. Now, They've been going a long time, and they've got 367 on their books. Now, I'm not sure what's going to change by 2025, 2026 to make that happen at a greater rate. So for me, uh, this one is an avoid. Can't see too many reasons to uh, to buy it. Low volumes, and um, yeah, apart from the Morrison's deal, which has obviously perked things up a little bit, given them that 40 million bucks in cash. Um, I don't know how they're going to achieve that penetration, which so far, over a long period of time, they have yet to achieve. So, yeah, not for me. Yep. Okay. That's pretty plain. Okay. Let's move on to CTI Logistics. This one picked by Peter. It's um, it's actually based in WA. It's um, shipping, storage, contracts, logistics. Um, let's take a look at its first half net profit there was up 81% on the prior corresponding period. So it's obviously doing something right, particularly as we've seen those supply chains ease. Henry, what are your thoughts on CTI? Uh, thoughts are that it's doing a lot right. Uh, David Watson, who owns 23% of the stock and is the founder, uh, should be a very happy bunny. Uh, probably not such a happy bunny looking at the volumes that trade, which are frankly uh, pretty pathetic um, I've got to say, um, <laughs> under 20,000 shares a day. They just uh, achieved A1 security monitoring certification. They're involved across the whole chain of logistics. As you say, the numbers were pretty good. Everything is pretty good. It just doesn't really trade. I mean, they had revenue up 18%. Uh, profit before tax was up 89%. EBITDA up 36%. So everything is heading in the right direction. Logistics obviously is a big part of the supply chain. These guys have nailed it. It's just the volume, which is pathetic. It's certainly a hold. Uh, but as I say, there's some big shareholders that own this one. Uh, you've got David Watson with 23% dynamic supplies investments, owning 12%. And David Watson nominees owning 6.8%. So I think David Watson's pretty much got this one signed, sewn up. So uh, it's a hold, good company, good quality, no volume. Uh, trying to get in and out could be painful. All right. Seems to be a recurrent theme this, uh, today. Uh, the last couple yeah. of times you mentioned that, uh, given the size of the companies. Um, all right, uh, Andrew, CTA? Yeah, same issue, um, and Henry's nailed it, 20,000 a day. Uh, and it's no great surprise considering that the insiders hold it all. Why wouldn't they? You know, it looks like it's a great business, but if you're trying to get set, then you're potentially going to overpay, and that's a problem in itself. I mean, the PE, it's trading in a PE of seven. So 
from a valuation point of view, it looks pretty good. They had that uh, upgrade in, in January, which the market obviously sort of took on board. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you can't get set in it, um, certainly the institutions aren't going to have a lot of interest in it. And as a retail investor, you just have to be pretty careful that uh, if you need to reach for an exit and there isn't one there, then that's not particularly helpful. So purely on liquidity basis alone, I have no other issues with the business. It's just I can't get set in it. So on that basis, it is a hold. So what do you do in those situations? As I mentioned there, there have been a couple of companies that fit that profile of just incredibly low volumes or Henry, as you say, pathetic. Um, do you, you just have to avoid them and wait? Or, or I mean, if you see the potential there, what do you do? I, I guess to well, some extent you You've, you've got to be patient in these ones. The problem not only is the liquidity in terms of number of shares that are sold, which means that if an institution, not that there are too many institutions in these sorts of shares, but if they want to move 100,000 shares, it can really dramatically move the price. Uh, but the other issue, of course, is the, is the spread between the buyer and the seller. So if you're paying the, the, uh, the seller and you're taking the price from the buyer, sometimes those spreads can be detrimental as well. That slippage in execution can hurt as well. So the fact that there isn't much liquidity does affect that spread. You know, I think at the moment the spread on there is 175 to 179. So there's a, there's a four cent spread there in theory. Of course, you can go in the middle and, and fiddle around, but it does require patience to get set and you are potentially liable to the big boys moving and moving the share price considerably on the back of a big order if there is institutions in the stock and they want to reweight. All right, Andrew, you want to add anything on that front? No, no, I, I think I think Henry's spot on. But again, if you were trying to get set, and it's probably more so companies that have been beaten up and none's immediately coming to mind, but uh, in that sort of late May into June period where there might be more tax loss selling, so therefore potentially more volume, identifying what your price might be, that's not the case here. I mean, the share price has just gone ballistic. There certainly will be no tax loss selling in this one. If anything, what little volume will completely dry up to because people won't be wanting to crystallise gains coming into 30 June. But again, your favourite small cap that's been beaten up May, June might be an opportunity. But again, Henry's point of patience is spot on. Okay. All right, let's move to Strike Energy. Uh, this one picked by Tan. Uh, it's, uh, it operates in that uh, hotly contested Perth Basin, the, the gas basin. There's been a lot of action there just recently, in fact, uh, and you've got the likes of uh, Kerry Stokes, Gina Reinhart, um, even uh, Andrew Forrest, I think, having a bit of a dip in there, just seeing the potential there. Uh, now, this uh, it's trying to develop its uh, West Aragala domestic gas project. Uh, it's been in a tussle there with, it's all over Warrego Energy. That ended with Strike uh, accepting Hancock Energy's takeover uh, for that gas field partner there. Um, Andrew, as I mentioned, there's a lot of action happening right there. So how well placed is Strike? Yeah, Andrew, I'm, I'm just curious before I answer your question, a few WA companies picking their head up today. Just out just of interest, where are you from? Yes, you're right. I'm from WA. However, I had absolutely no say in the choice of these stocks. No, no, no. no just, just, just checking. Just checking. Just goes to show what sort of talent and uh, performance, you know, that those WA companies, uh, they always outperform, don't they? You know, they support the rest it's, of the country, uh, just, you know, particularly uh, with the resources sector. We know that. Yeah. Just an interesting coincidence. I'm yep. not casting aspersions. I just thought I'd point that out to the humble listener and viewer. 
Um, joking aside, uh, look, Strike have done pretty well out of that whole Warrigo takeover piece because, of course, they were part of the action, fell on their sword at the end, but was able to uh, get $136 million dollars. Uh, by virtue of falling on their sword. So that uh, has been pretty good for them. And to your point around that Perth Basin, and in particular, because uh, WA is on such a tear at the moment, great demand for gas, as I understand it, Andrew, there is actually going to be a supply deficit in uh, that corridor till at least the end of the decade. So they're going to need that money and potentially more to be developing um, different assets and um, sort of trying to sort of make sure they can meet that WA gas need as such. The PE of 76 is certainly um, quite demanding. But and but I might also add there's no um, brokers who follow it, so there's certainly no consensus earnings per share. But I think on balance it's trading at its EPS target. Uh, sorry, its um, consensus share price target, which is around forty four and a half cents. So to me, it's probably one that you would buy in weakness. Also noting that energy in general is under some pressure. I note uh, oil back at seventy nine dollars a barrel overnight. So the energy names, and we'll cover off another one a little bit later on. The energy names are under a little bit of pressure at the moment. And should uh, that translate into price weakness for strike, then that's probably a buy. But at these levels, it is yet again a hold. Okay. Henry? I must admit, I'm just digging the natty new glasses that my friend has got on today. Uh, they are certainly uh, a step up. Make him look very intelligent, I have to say. Uh, worthy of the ETF whisperer. So uh, as far as Strike Energy goes, interesting little company, I have to say. You know, obviously Perth Basin tied up there, had a bit of a ding-dong with uh, some of the big boys there and the big girls there, Gina and uh, Twiggy over Warrigo. There has, they have got some serious potential uh, in their drilling campaign, which is now funded south of Regula, uh, Eregula. How, how would you pronounce that? Eregula. You're a W. Eregala, yeah. all right, the, the South Eregala, West Eregala, and Ocean Hill as well. There's a lot of drilling to come this year. So given the oil price is a bit on the nose at the moment, uh, for whatever reason, mainly because of people are worried about the Chinese reopening, this one could slip back a little bit. But at 40 cents, I think I'd be loading up with this was as a spec buy on the drilling campaign to come. So it is a pure Perth Basin play. Uh, there is some corporate appeal there as well, which has, you know, did push it up towards 50, I guess, after the uh, the Warrego uh, takeover. But um, yeah, I don't mind this one. Drilling to come, big potential with the drilling, uh, and uh, clearly, you know, there's a lot of interest in that Perth Basin from uh, the WA um, behemoths. So um, yeah, speculative buy for me. Prefer to buy it at 40 cents, but uh, here we are at 44 and a bit. Not the end of the world, but it is. I guess that's ten percent. But um, yep, you know, maybe with the oil price coming under a bit of pressure, you might get them down to forty cents. And uh, in which case, I'd be uh, speculative buying with your boots on. All right, boots in. Um, interesting, Andrew. You point out the supply deficit in gas there with WA, like sitting on the northwest shelf up there. The uh, a quantity of gas in the state is unbelievable. Um, interesting that they face this critical shortage issue potentially going forward. 
Well, of course, Andrew, you've, and this is not a political show and I'm not trying to turn it into one, but you would have to think by virtue of the leanings of the current state and federal governments and uh, the focus on ESG investing climate change, quite rightly so, that that will also be sort of playing into any new approvals that's uh, going to be granted. Yep. All right. Let's now move to uh, horticulture. That would be the Costa Group. Lee uh, picking this one, uh, supplier of um, for food retailers around the country, also an exporter. Uh, it's full, full results in full year results in February. Uh, revenue around one point three six. That's uh, up more than eleven percent year on year. But uh, NPAT slumping some ten percent there. Uh, it has expressed frustration, particularly as far as its exports into China and Japan. Um, Henry, what are you thinking of Costa Group? Uh, I think it's doing a, a pretty good job in a pretty tough environment, to be honest. Uh, you know, they, they mentioned weather in the last set of results as well. Um, they talked about outstanding teamwork, and I think that certainly is a factor here. They are doing very well from a management point of view, but there's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts out of their control. Uh, you know, the citrus season, the, the weather involved, uh, mushrooms, tomatoes, uh, avocados, etc. So th- there is certainly a lot of things out of their control, and uh, they are doing a good job in a bad market or, you know, in a a tough, troubled uh, climate. So for me, this one at the moment, I guess, is a bit of a hold. It's been trading uh, for some time, you know, around this sort of 250 market, did pop its nose down to sort of sub 230. uh, But now we're back up to sort of 250, 260. I I think it would be a hold here for me. The yield is not uh, not massive, but there are obviously risks in terms of uh, weather events. We've got a, a yield of around... Uh, you know, 4. Point, well, 4.0% uh, with not 100% franking. Uh, the, um, yeah, it's, it's a hold. It's just tough, I think, with, with uh, stocks that are in the agricultural space. And Costa has uh, knocked the lights out in the past and then suffered uh, subsequently with, uh, with weather issues and mm. China issues, etc., and cropping issues in, in Morocco as well. So they're, they're very diversified, but uh, that hasn't always been help so for me it's a hold okay andrew yeah i'm just looking at the short in, apart from listening to my learned friend of course um i'm just looking at the short interest and short interest has been rising so in other words people who are betting that the share price will fall and that share price chart supports that because as uh, it's almost an inverse relationship as the shorting has been increasing the share price unsurprisingly has been falling uh and in part you look at the pe uh, ratio 16 times relative to forecast earnings per share growth of 10 percent so you know arguably it's still fairly fairly fully priced I note consensus is about 270, you know, we're trading at 250, 260, something like that. So not really compelling, but probably the one that stands out to me most, Andrew, over the last five years has lost, Costa has lost 15% per annum annualised over the last five years. So even taking into account all the great points Henry's making around weather and market conditions and China and, you know, everything else that's going on it, the uh, the share price obviously hasn't responded and it's been a wealth destroyer, frankly. So, yeah, no interest in this one at all. It's not a sell, but it certainly mm. isn't a buy. Yeah, and not even a hold. You're just avoiding it. Okay, 
just important. Uh, well, mind you, if I, if I was to sum up um, where we've been in the first half of the show, I would say you guys are in a holding pattern given what we've just been across. But anyway, let me let, let me get to it, the detail there of what we've uh, decided on with our stock of the day. Uh, JB Hi-Fi, it is a hold from both. Uh, we've been mentioning retail trade, the latest figures out, uh, some pressure being felt there clearly as those interest rates rise. Um, Andrew pointing out retail is getting harder and Henry saying, you know, it is facing headwinds with the likes of JB Hi-Fi. So a hold there for both. To the stocks as picked by you, uh, AIC Mines there. Uh, it's a hold from Henry um, saying it may move on the copper price, but that's actually come off uh, recently. And Andrew calling it underwhelming, but it's a hold from both. Uh, Sequoia Financial Group, um, Andrew pointing out very thinly traded, he's got a hold. Henry saying, in fact, the volume is pathetic uh, and it has a low market share. He is avoiding it. To CTI Logistics, uh, Henry pointing out impressive results, but once again, low volumes. Uh, he's got a hold on it, as does Andrew, P of seven times, saying it represents some good value there. Strike Energy, uh, a hold from Andrew, but saying buy on weakness. And Henry's calling it a specky buy, particularly uh, off the back of its drilling results. So that's a watch there. And Costa Group. Finally there, we know how difficult horticulture can be as your mercy at the weather, as Henry points out, a hold. But Andrew, simply not interested. All right, let's uh, update our portfolio. We are tracking our own high conviction fund picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So checking in on the update. Going into May, 1% was trimmed from Macquarie and West Farmers. Elders to decrease their weightings to 6.9%, 6% and 4% respectively. And 1% was added to WiseTech, MA Financial, as well as cash reserves there. WiseTech and MA stand at 5% each, and we have 5.2% cash. And Aspermont replaced by Kelsian Group. So in terms of the performance, let's get to that. Uh, down from last time we took a look at it, 8.3% uh, higher on a cumulative return basis since that inception of March last year. So keep sending in your requests. Keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Next for us in the second half of the show, we'll be taking a look at the Global X Fang ETF, PSC Insurance, Bittershares Crypto Innovators ETF, Cadence and Karoon Energy. So let's get into an ETF. This one picked by Glenn. It is the Global X Fang ETF. And uh, Andrew, what, what's this whole the sort of top 10, if you like? What have we got? Meta? Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Alphabet, Snowflake, Microsoft, Tesla, NVIDIA, AMD. I think that's across the mall, isn't it? Yeah, so pretty much if you want technology, uh, I mean, obviously you could sort of go the NASDAQ. That would be one way to do it. You could even do the S&P 500, something like IVV or NDQ for the NASDAQ. Uh, you could do IVV and that's going to get you about 26% tech. But if you want all in on tech, I'm just, you know, tech is where I want to be then certainly this is uh, one way in which to do it. And if you had taken that view three months ago, it would have paid off pretty handsomely for you. It's up about 20, where's my notes? Up about 22% per annum, or sorry, up over 22% over the last three months. So it's been uh, it's been a goodie, but as we also know, sort of uh, 2021 and into 2022, tech was not a fun place to be at all. Um, so really, you've got to have a high conviction view as to sort of that technology piece. 
Um, they've got about $250 million funds under management and the MER, the fee they're charging, uh, Global Exit Charging, it's actually not too bad. It's only about 35 basis points, which for uh, this style of ETF probably isn't too bad. Uh, look, me personally, uh, I just think that given the mantra we've been talking about during the show around selling May and go away and uh, bank, fa- uh, bank failures in the US, uh, we've got that debt ceiling conversation coming up soon as well. Uh, I can certainly see tech coming under a little bit of pressure. I can see some profit taking because, of course, they have a different time of uh, a taxi to what we do. And so I can certainly see these names coming off and so probably a bit too concentrated for me. Uh, as I said, I'd probably prefer just sort of a broader IVV exposure or QUS is another one that I don't mind in that S&P 500 space. But if you love tech, this is absolutely one for you. But for you, but is that are you putting that down as a sell then? I, look, I'd say it's a sell. Mm. I think just in the short term, it's it really like if you look at it over the last three years, it's up 20% per annum. So it's been great. But it's because of the, the volatility in this one, you really need to get your timing right. And in this sort of challenging macro environment, up 20% over the last three months to tell someone to buy it now, I think you'd be a bit brave. So yeah, look, Andrew, we'll make yep. it a bit interesting. We'll say it's a sell. Okay. All right. Henry, do you agree? Uh, this is an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, there's confusion at the moment in the market. We are all very confused about what's happening with rates, what that means, what's happening with US banks, and what that means for rates, whether the Fed will squib it again and uh, and not raise rates. Clearly, that has an impact on the technology stocks and the technology sector. These ones in particular have been on an absolute tear since January's lows. Uh, because the theory is that, uh, you know, interest rates are close to their peak, et cetera, et cetera. And also perversely, and this adds to the confusion, is that tech stocks have become a defensive sector to some extent. You know, we've seen today that uh, there's my Amazon Prime uh, membership going up from uh, $7 to $10. So, and will I cancel it? I don't know. So that is the question. So they have been seen as quite defensive. Microsoft and Amazon, uh, not Amazon, Apple between them are 13% of the S&P 500. And I have to say that I think after this big run that we've seen in this one, in these fangs, the NVIDIAs, the Metas, I mean, Facebook has just gone nuts in the last uh, three or four months. I would be selling this one, I've got to say. I would be taking the profits and moving on. I mean, we can't see this rally continue forever. There is this defensive quality to these tech stocks, and we've had the results out in the main, and we've seen the defensive quality in these tech stocks, and we've seen them get on top, I guess, of the competition from TikTok. There's obviously changes happening at uh, Twitter. Uh, I got notified of some changes the other day. Uh, so, but for me, it's just run too hard. I'd be taking profits here in the fangs. I've got to say, okay, just take, there take is, the money. There is your sell in May right there. Uh, well, yes, there, yep. there it is, writ large. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on uh, and come back home to uh, PSC Insurance. It is a diversified insurance services group. Uh, operates uh, here. Uh, New Zealand, UK and Hong Kong, I think. Um, Henry, what can you tell us about PSC? Uh, what can I tell you is that the volumes are not great. <laughs> We're there uh, again, right. Uh, they kind of they come and go, but they're generally not great. Uh, they did an acquisition of Tice's. Uh, with the JV with them anyway. They've got good organic growth. They've got growth through acquisitions. Uh, They're big in the UK as well. 
but um, yeah, and they've just been sort of on a downward sort of slippery slope at the moment, and it doesn't help the fact there's not a lot of volume in the thing either. So, you know, there's two and a half thousand shares traded today. I mean, that's just, I, I don't know why uh, we seem to have got a bunch of stocks that don't really trade at the moment <coughs> on the call, but um, the, these ones certainly, uh, you know, it's, it's fallen a long way away from its peak, which was around five bucks ten recently, it's now down to four fifty. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably a hold at these levels. Yeah, well, hang on. There, there's the problem right there, Henry. You just called it a hold. So, of course, no one's going to trade it. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, it's, just, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, a buy at 450 and a sell at 480. <laughs> okay. There you go. Trade away. Heart's content. Go for your life. All right. You've given, us, you've given us some targets there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Andrew. Uh, and I think it's to, to, to Henry's defence, not that he needs defending, he's a big boy himself, but it's just a tricky market. It's a tricky market. Um, and, you know, in particular the US, we thought First Republic had been solved with JP Morgan. That ain't the case. So, uh, yeah, I, I can certainly understand people, and in, including us, saying, you know, just keep your powder dry. Back to uh, the message, PSI. Uh, 425 is probably the technical price target for it. Insurers in general should be doing okay in this environment, as in um, uh, their, uh, their bonds should be earning a lot more and have recovered in price from the uh, savage sell-off over the last 12 months but the chart just looks really ordinary at the moment so if, if it can't hold 425 buckle up but it's a hold at the moment a buy at 425 yep all right okay put you under pressure there so thanks for uh, coming to the party all right let's uh, move on back into your space uh, andrew of course with a another etf <laughs> And this one is the uh, BetaShares Crypto Innovators ETF, as picked by Rebecca. She says, I know the ETF featured on the call uh, soon after listing and has since been pummeled by the market. Henry Jennings is known to comment that the peak is in when they come up with a niche ETF and a catchy name. <laughs> and that certainly seems to be the case. We'll get to Henry in just a moment. So Andrew, your take first. Yeah, and uh, never truer words have been spoken. Pummeled, uh, down 60% since listing. But to be fair, what's it benchmarking itself against? It's benchmarking itself against sort of cryptocurrencies as such or the, the, the software behind it as opposed to the currencies themselves. So things like Riot, uh, Marathon, Coinbase, and as we know, they've all been had an absolute flogging as well. But even if we look at sort of the underlying cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, uh, back in November, $85,000 Aussie a coin. Today, $42,000 a coin. That's actually improved a little bit from where it had been, mm. but that's still down 50%. So it is no great surprise at all to see this under pressure. Um, but so mind really, you, Andrew, I was a- just going to say, obviously, you're not, they're not investing in the cryptocurrencies as such. It's more the picks and shovels because these are the innovators as such. Correct. So, and there are particular ETFs if that's sort of your bag that you can buy a 
uh, Ethereum or you can buy a um, Bitcoin or, you know, um, choose your uh, cryptocurrency of choice. Um, we've sort of left that alone and that certainly seems to have worked out okay for us. But, and interestingly, I haven't had one client ask me about over the last nine months as to whether they should be buying uh, cryptocurrency. So again, that sort of feeds back into crypt as well. If people aren't necessarily that interested in cryptocurrency, then they aren't necessarily interested in these particular businesses either. There will come a time where this will be back in vogue, but now is not the time. So um, it is a hold at the moment. Okay. So, uh, Henry, all right, you're quoted at the top there. Uh, carry on. Um, I mean, if you're, if you're going to play in this one, it is uh, a wild ride. Looking at the, uh, the numbers, so for the last month, it's up 12%. For the last three months, it's up 69%. Uh, for the six months, it's down 10.5%. And for the year, it's down 60%. So if you're into a volatility, adrenaline fueled investment, this is the one for you. If you want to trade stuff, yeah, go for your life. This certainly could uh, fill the uh, the bill. I've got to say, when Andrew starts talking about, uh, you know, Ethereum ETFs and Bitcoin ETFs, why don't you just buy the buy, buy Bitcoin or, or Ethereum? You don't need an ETF to do that. This one, uh, there's three stocks. It's application software. 60% of this is in those. There's three stocks, Riot Platforms, Marathon and Microsoft's MicroStrategy, rather that hold 35%, this is 35% of this ETF. I have no idea what these guys do. I have no idea what their outlook is. And if I don't know, I'm gonna go with the Buffett way of thinking. Uh, if you don't understand something, don't trade it. You've got no interest in this one at all. Uh, sorry to the uh, the viewer that was interested in this, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it's not Bitcoin, it's not Ethereum. It is the boys behind it. I have no idea what they're doing. And let's face it, nobody does because no one saw FTX coming. And look at that one. Yep. Okay. No I, rest, no I rest my case. Yep. No surprise and avoid there from Henry. All right. Uh, let's see if this one then picks fancy. Uh, Peter picking Cadence uh, saying, would I be able to get the long-term prospects? for the company. Oh, there you go. Putting you on the spot there. Um, Henry, it is a listed investment company, uh, invests in um, equities uh, locally, uh, locally based company. Um, what, what are you looking at, Cadence? In fact, I was just see, I was looking at the share price. Uh, just fell off a bit of a cliff in the past month. Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, now, first off, Carl Siegling, I know he's a lovely guy and I've chatted to him many times. Uh, he is a lovely guy and he does invest his money alongside uh, the client money in uh, the LIC Cadence Capital. It is trading at a dirty great big discount to its NTA, which is only a dollar and two. Uh, the, the share price here is 82 cents. So you've got a big, big discount there. They have got, you know, um, they've had some winners. They've had some losers, to say the least. Um, I would not be putting my hard-earned into this. There obviously is uh, an issue when it's trading at such a big discount. They tried to communicate, but this thing got all excited because it had an investment in a company that was uh, a SPAC, uh, you may remember, that was involved in mining polymetallic nodules from the bottom of the sea floor off Nauru and various other places in that sort of area. 
which got everybody excited. They had a very small investment, which became quite a big investment, and the market got really excited and pushed them up big time. But since then, I'm afraid Carl's performance has not been staggeringly brilliant, um, and that is really hurting. I mean, they've got some stocks in there. Their BHP is one of their big stocks that they're long of. Uh, that hasn't been going so well. Chalice been going well, so that's good. They they spread things across the, the the board. To be honest, they've got U.S. stocks, they've got Canadian stocks, some good, some bad. But it's just at the moment, I think you know that that discount is telling me something. And uh, much as I like Carl, and, and at the moment, I just feel that they kind of lost their way a little bit. So Not for me, and avoid. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to buy an LIC, buy one that actually um, is uh, is producing and doing the business. This this one yeah. uh, doesn't seem to be doing that in terms of uh, performance when things get going in the market. Well, in fact, I was going to ask you more broadly about LICs, whether they interest you. They do. I like LICs. I, I class them as uh, hot tub time machines to some extent, and some of them <laughs> are paid off beautifully for uh, investors because, you know, if, if the market goes up, up two or three percent and the LIC is invested in the market, it may be that you're buying the market with an LIC that's trading at a big, big discount. And that doesn't guarantee that the discount will close up. But uh, if they communicate well, and Jeff Wilson is one of the best at that, as is Mark Landau uh, with uh, Long Short Fund, then at L1 Capital, then certainly they uh, can close up that discount. So I do like LICs generally, uh, but only specifically ones that communicate well, pay good mm. dividends. Uh, no one can argue with WAM, etc. You know, you've got uh, WA uh, Wilson Asset Management Leaders Fund trying to raise money at the moment around the NTA. So generally I do, specifically, you've got to be careful of which ones that you buy. Um, there is no mechanism, there's no sunset clauses in most of them whereby the uh, assets are sold, mm. given back to shareholders and you can retrieve the NTA. So uh, cadence for me, Carl, sorry mate. Yeah. Okay. No. Andrew, uh, your thoughts then, Cadence, and, and yeah, perhaps more broadly on LACs. Yeah, and so just following on the uh, Henry's thread, and we both like um, L1 Capital LSF uh, is the code. Uh, it is also trading at a discount to NTA, and you know, and I think Henry first started the analysis, and I sort of occasionally do it when I uh, need something to do at three in the morning, um, but. It, if it goes below an 8% discount to net asset backing, then it's probably worth having a close look at. So as an example, NTA at the moment on LSF, so if they wind it all up, pay the taxes and go, it's all too hard, $2.95 back, uh, currently trading at 280 So in other words, 271 is probably the magic number there. If you can get LSF at 270 271 then that's probably pretty good buying. Uh, but Henry is right. These LICs are great opportunities to be sort of buying a dollar for 92 cents in that particular example. Uh, but it's how they communicate it. Again, picking on LSF, its daily trading volume is about $860,000 worth of shares a day. Compare and contrast to Cadence, $200,000 a day. So, you know, with due respect to Cadence, it would appear the likes of Wham and L1 are doing a far better job of communicating what they're up to. Uh, you are, there's a big discount to uh, asset backing for Cadence, but how they're going to close that, and I can't really see any evidence as to how they're going to do that. So, uh, unfortunately for Cadence, it's an avoid, but LICs more generally, WLE and, w, uh, and LSE. F rather are sort of my two favourites. Okay, all right. 
Let's move to our final pick. It is Karoon Energy. Andrea wanting to know about this. Uh, it's in oil in Brazil. Uh, however, it's had problems recently. It was um, had to shut its Borna operations due to a containment uh, issue it had there. Uh, does expect production for 23 financial to be the low end of its current guidance range. And then, of course, we consider what's going on with the oil price at the moment. Uh, what came off 5% overnight on those global growth concerns. So, Andrew, what's your view on Karoon? It's a buy. Mm. It's a buy. Um, it's a PE of three, Andrew. When was the last time you came across a company with a P of yeah. three, whereby there's in particular a fair bit of M&A, merger and acquisition potential? You know, a lot of these global oil and gas giants. So BP, as an example, came out with their results, cracking result overnight and uh, basically, you know, doing capital returns and or increased dividends because this is my words as opposed to theirs, the, we spoke about it before when we were talking about the Perth Basin and, and you know, Woodside, etc. It's going to be much harder for these oil and gas guys and girls to get projects over the line into the future because they're quite right concerns about climate change. So um, if they can't be out there drilling themselves, then they're going to be looking for existing projects that are on the cheap. And it's pretty hard to argue against a PE of three, especially considering the forecast consensus earnings per share growth is 14% next year. Consensus, stick all the guys and girls in a room, what do you think it's worth? $2.85. So yeah, out of all the ones we've spoken about today, it is a buy. All right. Henry, are you as excited? Oh, I'm always as excited as Andrew. I'm excited to hear his words because I think this is a buy as well. The uh, the issue has been twofold for Karoon. This is my favourite sort of mid-cap, and there aren't many in that space, oil and gas company. The problem has been twofold. One is the, uh, the closure or the shutdown while they do maintenance. And cynically, me, I think, you know, they've just had a... a a temporary tax imposed in Brazil, which is due to expire in July. Now, if I was going to run maintenance and close down operations for a little while, I would do that while the tax was in place. So I saved a little bit of money and got things underway during that time. They're due to reopen in May. So we're now in May. Uh, they have revised guidance downwards. The other issue, of course, is the oil price, which has absolutely tanked. It is now below the price a month ago where the Saudis surprised everybody. Obviously, the RBA was taking a leaf out of the Saudis' book, uh, but the Saudis surprised everybody by cutting uh, supply, cutting production, and the oil price spiked higher. And then we got a plethora of uh, talking heads on TV talking about $100 oil, $120 oil, and here we are, $78 oil. Well done, guys. Um, so um, I think this is a buy. Two bucks. This, I think, is a steal long-term drilling to come, plenty of potential. It will come back online, okay? It won't have the same uh, production rate this year, but they will have done the maintenance during this tax period. If the tax goes from temporary to permanent, and there are some worries obviously about that, they will have to adjust things. Uh, but so far we know that the tax finishes in July. That's a 9.2% mm. oil export levy. Uh, there are brokers now factoring a, a, a a permanent 5% oil export levy uh, rather than 9.2 at the moment. So it does cost the company, but I, I like this one. All right. We end on a high with a buy. Yeah.
Good stuff. Well done. Okay, let's uh, sum up where we've been for the second half of the show. Uh, Global X Fang ETF. Uh, no, it's a sell from both. Given uh, you hold the, uh, it holds uh, well top ten tech stocks really. It's um, and they've had a terrific run recently, but um, both pointing out big headwinds ahead for for tech taking profits. Uh, PSC Insurance, it is a hold, but I did push Henry's, gave us a couple of price targets there, uh, but to points out there are poor volumes there. Uh, Andrew also giving us a buy figure there at $4.25 if you're interested in PSC. PSC. Uh, the BetaShares Crypto Innovators ETF, well, we know the pain and also the gain, the volatility, in other words, of the crypto space, but this is more in the, the picks and shovels. Uh, Andrew, he's got a hold on it, whereas Henry's simply not interested in it, given that uh, that volatility. Uh, Cadence, the LIC, uh, it unfortunately is an avoid from both, uh, but if you wanted to pick one in that space, L1 Capital, is liked by both. And finally there, Karoon Energy, um, despite where that oil price is going at the moment, both see it as a buy. Henry goes too far as to say it's a steal. Andrew pointing out with a PE of three, you cannot avoid that one. All right, that is the show for today. Henry, thanks for your time. Thanks for joining us, Marcus, today. My pleasure, always fun. Yep, indeed. And likewise, Andrew, thanks for joining us in DP Wealth Advisory. Thanks, Tim. All right, any stocks you'd like us to cover, head to osbiz.co forward slash call picks or tweet us at TV. Stay with us, much more to come on Osbiz. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.